Tonight we're starting a new series. We're going to spend four weeks talking about our Father. Are you ready? Okay, let's pray. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, the one through whom life comes. You've created us in your image. You are our source and our supply. And we are called together by your holy name. So tonight, Lord, we ask that from your throne, your heavenly throne, the place from which you declare word that creates and heals and gives direction and understanding, revelation, truth, peace. Lord, we ask that as you declare your word to us tonight, that we would hear it, we would receive it, we would choose to obey it, to become it, to live it, to reveal it, that you may fill our lives in every way, that you may be glorified. Because all that we do is for your glory, the glory of our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about our Father. And uh, as you can see at the top of your outline here, I've, I've placed the opening of the, the teaching that Jesus gave when his disciples asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he taught them to pray a certain way. Now, this is a way to pray. He, he didn't intend to give us some sort of script for us to just say these words. He was actually giving us an instruction about uh, a, a methodology or a pattern. And, and there's, uh, just because of, of the very truth of the word, there is depth in every word, in every phrase of this way in which Jesus taught us to pray. Now, we're not going to spend four weeks teaching on the Lord's Prayer, but I've chosen to use this first portion of the Lord's Prayer as sort of a, an outline, a template. And each of these next uh, these four weeks together, we're going to take a, a, a different portion of this declaration about our Heavenly Father. We're just going to dig into it a little bit, okay? And so tonight, uh, we're going to talk about our Father uh, who is in heaven, okay? And so uh, let us just together, as, uh, we'll, so we'll use this passage of Scripture as our theme verses uh, for this series. And so it's found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. And it's there on your line. Could you say it with me? Let's say it together. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's the first part, first fill in. We're just going to start right from the beginning here. We are called into the family of God. We are called into the family of God. The very fact that Jesus taught us to address God as our Father gives us a, a, a very powerful insight into His perspective. He could, he could have called upon any of the revealed names of God when He taught us to pray. I mean, He could have, he could have reached back into anything that was declared in the Old Testament. Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Raphae. And, and every name that has ever been revealed about God reveals an aspect of his character, or, or an aspect of who he is, an aspect of the quality. And a lot of the times the names of God were revealed after God had done something uniquely uh, powerful for the nation of Israel. And at that point, then they, they understood something even more about who God was, and, and he would actually reveal his name uh, or another name. And there's, and there's Many, 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 many names of God throughout the scriptures. And Jesus didn't choose any of these revealed or understood or uh, uh, accepted 
titles for God. But he says, when you come and you speak to God, address him as what? Our Father. Say that with me. Our Father. Well, obviously the Father part is a, is a critical expression of the characteristic or the understanding or the relationship that Jesus had to God. Now, he was the Son of God, and God was his Father, but he, he didn't exclude us from addressing God ourselves as asking him and relating to him as our Father. So obviously, he wasn't, he wasn't say, he's my Father, but not yours. No, he's, he wants us all to, to understand that being our Father, he's the source. We come out of him. Your life, who you are, comes out of God. He's your father. And when we begin to think of God as not just some sort of distant power, some sort of force, some sort of religious God, but father, in everything that is what the best sense of that word should be, not many of us had relationships with fathers who, who, were, who were less than ideal, you know, manipulative, mean, belligerent, abusive. But Jesus wanted us to look at Father, God, the one who is perfect, and to relate to him and to see him as Father. So what we're going to do tonight is just kind of look at this aspect. And and I said that we're called into the family of God because God has always related to us as if we're his family. He's related to mankind as his children. Not his creatures, not his subjects, not his little slaves, but his family, his kids. And that is a really, really powerful thing when we think about that. And, and so before we look at a couple of scriptures that, that talk about that for a moment, I, I want to kind of focus on the other word that Jesus coupled with this, because it's, it's, it's an interesting understanding. When Jesus taught us to pray, he didn't say, when you pray, pray this way, He didn't say to pray, my Father in heaven. Do you notice that subtly? What did he say to say? Our Father. Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I don't know if you ever thought about this this way, but Jesus fully anticipated For us, when we pray, so often of our prayers are about us individually. Lord, bless my life. Meet my needs. You know, fix my problems. That's not the way that Jesus taught us to pray. He actually taught us to pray with a corporate mindset, not an individual one. Now, is it okay for you to pray for your individual needs? Yes. But but Jesus taught us a better way and actually to think that it's not just about me and my needs and me and just my relationship with God, but really there's a, there's a whole understanding is when I pray, he's not, he is my father, but he's our father. And we are his children. And we are a family. And we are the body of Christ. We are the family of God. And you know what? Nothing happens to me that doesn't in some way affect you. And nothing that happens to you doesn't affect the rest of us. We, we are all 
interrelated. And there's something that God is, I think we're just going to start with this tonight. I want you to open your mind and not see yourself as isolated and alone and disconnected and trying to get this deity up in the heavens to do something for you and your piddly little problem. God is doing as a father something for his entire family. And he's brought salvation to all of us. He's brought provision to all of us. He's brought life and health and his kingdom to all of us. And your father and my father is the same father. You don't pray to a different God than I pray to. It's not like he likes you more than he likes me or he likes you more than he likes you. No, he, he's our father. Okay? And, he, and we are his family. So, family. How many of you have ever been in a family? Families have dynamics. <laughs> Brothers and sisters. As you look around this room, guess what? It's your family. It's your family. It's your brothers and sisters. And you know when you went around tonight and you shook hands and you hugged on and you greeted and checked, it, it's a family reunion every time we're together. It's a family gathering. It's a family meeting. And our Father is so pleased that His kids are together tonight. And He wants to talk to us. And he wants to show us some stuff. Okay, And that's, I just want us to just kind of go there. Go there with your attitude. Go through your mind. When you see one another, it's not just that person that goes to church with me. No, that's my brother. That's my sister. And our Father is doing something for all of us. He's doing it for us together. Ephesians 1.5 says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do and it gave Him great pleasure. Every single person who responds to Jesus and says yes They're not just saying yes to get to go to heaven. They're not just saying yes to get out of hell. They're not just saying yes to join church. They're saying yes to being adopted into our family. And every single person that says yes, every person that uh, uh, just understands what God is doing, it tickles God. It just, it gives Him pleasure. And it should give us pleasure too. I mean, we should really be delighted for every person that God brings into our lives, brings a part of the family. Amen? Malachi, this is Old Testament scripture, but it, it, was, a, it was giving a, uh, a perspective to the nation. It says, do we not all have one father? Has not God created us? Why do we deal treacherously each against his brother so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? And it was a, it's a challenge, and that's kind of a harsh thing, but, but we need, it's, it's, it's even an Old Testament thing. Listen. We, God's all of our Father. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't be taking a, an attitude of ever where, boy, you know, I gotta, I've got to work my life or work the deal or, or, or benefit myself in such a way that maybe it pushes someone out, steps on someone else. We, we're, all, we're all in this together. And we all live in this family. We need to get along as a family. Now, it, uh, this scripture in uh, Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, which brings us to this next point here, this next fill-in. It says, we are called into adoption. We're called into adoption. You're adopted 
Now, this is a beautiful, a beautiful picture, word picture, and concept that God has revealed about the way that we relate to Him in the New Testament, in the Roman culture. The Roman culture had a pretty harsh cultural system. There were people who were Roman citizens, and there was everybody else. And everybody else were considered conquered people. And everybody else, in one way or another, were considered slaves. Because Romans were the Romans. We were the conquerors. And we went out throughout the whole world, and we overthrew kingdom after kingdom, nation after nation, and we took the people, and we conquered over them. And now they belong to us. And we are the conquerors. We're the citizens. We are the nation that rules the world, and everybody else is our slaves. And if you happened to live in a country that had been overthrown by Rome, and you weren't considered a Roman citizen, they could have just done anything they wanted to, and you were just considered a slave to the state. Kind of a lousy situation, isn't it? I mean, we're born as Americans, and we're born in America, we're free. But that's, that, wasn't, that wasn't the deal. You could, have been, you could have been born right in Rome, but not necessarily, you know, just depending on the situation. So there were the haves and the have-nots. And if you were in a slave in Rome, you know, life could be pretty rotten on you. And there was really no hope to get out of it, except for this one kind of provision. Some slaves lived in these households, and some of the slaves were very well educated and actually, you know, were kind of like members of the family. And, there were, and so much so that there became this ability that if, if a Roman citizen so cared and loved his slave, he had the right to adopt the slave into his family. And once a Roman citizen adopted a person who was a non-Roman citizen into his family, that person became a Roman citizen. citizen. And their entire identity, their entire status, all their privileges, everything about them radically changed. All of a sudden they had legal rights, they had property rights, they had all kinds of rights that they didn't have before they were adopted. And and when this scripture was written, it was like he was saying, you got to understand, before you, before you were a slave to sin. You were a slave to destruction. You were a slave to death. But God saw you and he says, hey, I want to adopt you into my family and change your citizenship. No longer a citizen of the world system, but a citizen of heaven. No longer just a person who can be abused and overrun with no rights whatsoever, but a person who comes in and has the full rights of being adopted, not into the family of Rome, but into the family of God. And folks, that's a really privileged thing. Yes, we're His children because He made us, but even beyond just making us as His children, He's actually also adopted us. It is like, it's like a legal term. And when we say yes to Jesus, we actually come into the covenant, the new covenant, the New Testament. And we actually legally, under the blood covenant of Jesus Christ, we become citizens, family members, adopted into the family of God. So folks, congratulations. You're you're not a slave. You're not a citizen of this world. You're not a citizen of, of the system of death. You are citizens of eternal life in heaven because you've been adopted into the family of God. Isn't that beautiful? Let's look at some scriptures that say this. Now, uh, much of the scriptures that we're going to look at tonight are from the book of Romans, 
in the chapter 8. And if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there so you can just see it there in the Scriptures. Romans chapter 8, uh, much of what we're going to talk about for the rest of the evening will be found in that book and in that chapter, Romans chapter 8. And verses 14 and 16 say this, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And you have not received a spirit of what? Slavery, bondage, leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And you can see that kind of that illustration. When, when, you, were, when you had the spirit of slavery, just like the people of Rome, when they, when they knew that they were slaves... It's like they were always looking over their shoulder. Because at any moment, a Roman soldier could walk up and just say, you know, force them to you know, carry their stuff or do something for them. Or you know, they could push them aside. They could, they could completely abuse them in any way because they were just slaves. And a slave always lived with a little bit of apprehension that who's going to come in and invade my life and interrupt my day and interrupt whatever I'm doing because and I had, I'd have no rights to stop them. You know, and before we had Jesus in our lives, you know, the enemy and this culture kind of did that too. It just kind of came and just slapped us up the side of the head and just bounced us around. And we never really knew where we're going and what we're doing and, and how life was going to work out. But he's saying, listen, if you are living your life in such a way that you've come into the family and you are living your life to be led, directed by what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, saying to you what the Holy Spirit is directing you to say, to do, to be, to conduct your life. If you're following the Lord's leading according to His scriptures, in times of prayer, in times of worship, in times of surrender to Him, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to live in this, in this perpetual fear. I wonder what's going to happen because God is completely in control. And He is taking you through everything that you go through. That doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect and rosy. It doesn't mean you'll never have problems. It doesn't mean that you ever, won't ever have any challenges. But you know that your Heavenly Father is right there in the midst of it. And you don't have to cry out to the Almighty God, Hey, Almighty God, would you please have mercy on me? You can come to the Almighty God and say, Hey, Daddy. Now, I have four daughters. And my son, Ray, here. Because he's, he's adopted me as his dad, and I've adopted him. I love it. I love it. Well, when one of my four daughters comes up to me, and they want something, they don't, they don't come up to me and say, Oh, great master of this house. Oh, oh husband of our mother, and provider of household Goods and services. You know what they say to me? They come up to me and they bat their eyes and say, Daddy. And what do you think I do? I cave. Every time. Because, because when my daughters say, Daddy, that's so intimate. It's so right. Because my heart, as their father, 
I want to provide for them. I, I, I want to make them happy. I want, to, I want the best for them all the time. Now, sometimes what my decisions for them aren't exactly what they want or exactly the way they want or the time that they want. But I'm always looking out for them. I would never, ever make a decision that would bring them harm or destruction. I would never treat them like slaves. Now, I may ask them to do something from time again, and they complain that I'm making them like a slave. No, but as, as their father, they relate to me as papa, as daddy, as dad. And the Bible makes it very, very clear. You don't treat God as if he's some distant power that you've got to use some sort of magical words and, and you've got to prove yourself and you've got to earn. He wants you to call him Abba, Daddy, Papa. It's an intimate family. You've got to know he's looking out for your best interests. He wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you. And he'll, he'll correct you and he'll discipline you and, and he'll put you through things and he'll be right there with you in everything. We don't need to live in fear as slaves, but as sons adopted who cry out with the Holy Spirit within us, Abba, Daddy, Papa. The creator of the universe is your daddy. That's pretty special, isn't it? It's pretty wonderful. Thank you, Lord, for that. Okay, well, this leads us to the next one. Go ahead and turn to the back of your outlines. We are called into brotherhood with Christ. Into brotherhood with Christ. Romans 8, 17 says this, And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. And Jesus, the Son of God, created an access by the shedding of his blood and making a provision for the covering and the removal of the sins of every man. Jesus, the perfect son, actually made it possible for us to come into the family. And because he is the son of God, and we join to him, and we come in and join the family through him, he actually calls us his brethren. Now, the word, when I say brotherhood, you know, we say brothers. Don't, don't get weird about sexuality there. It's, it's the family. It's, we're brothers and sisters. We're the brothers of Jesus. Our Heavenly Father is His Father. And we've been adopted into the family. Look what it says in Hebrews 2, verses 10 and 12. For it, it was fitting for Him from whom all th- are all things. This is Jesus who made all things. And through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to, perf- to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. This is a declaration of the heart of Jesus. He said, I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed of you. I poured out my blood. I am the one through whom all things were made, for whom all things were made. But but Jesus was perfected through suffering. He is exalted above everything. 
But the throne of Christ, the throne of the Lord, is the throne of a lamb. And he humbled himself, humbled himself to obedience and sacrificed himself. And he gave his life. He poured out his lifeblood. He gave it all on that cross of Calvary. And he did that for the sake of making every one of us part of his family. And now he's not ashamed to call you brothers and sisters. He rejoices. He sings in the midst of the congregation. When we're just sitting there singing to the Heavenly Father, Jesus was singing as loud at the top of his lungs right along with us. He's rejoicing. He says, I declare his name to them, his identity, his power, who he is. He has given you his name. We take the name of Christ. We take the name of the sons of God. We take the name of the family of God. His name is who he is. His name is his nature. And we are all one family. We have the name, the family name of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we can pray in his name. Because that's the name, that's the name of our, that's our family name. We come to Papa in the name of our big brother who made the way for us to be adopted, the name of Jesus. He calls you brother and sister. It says that we are not just sons and daughters, not just children, but joint heirs. I mean, that means that all the riches, all the majesty, everything that Jesus has, he joyfully shares it with us all. The riches of heaven are yours too because Jesus made the way for all of us. We have a brotherhood in Christ. Isn't that great? Okay, let's do the last one here. We are called into sonship. And this actually is a fantastic, tremendous thing. Okay? We're not just people who have just kind of attached ourselves to him. When he looks at you, he looks at you through the eyes of his son. He sees you through the eyes of his son, Jesus. And the the status and the majesty and the authority and the privilege of that firstborn son of God, he looks at you and calls you into that same status. You're not a second-class child of God. You're a a son of God. Now, again, don't don't go sexual on me. It's not male or female here. This This is, we stand in the name of the son of God. And God sees you like he sees Jesus as precious and holy and blameless and perfect. And he wants to give you everything. He wants to pour his life in you. And he expects you to reveal him, to show him. He expects you that wherever you show up, you represent God. You represent his family. You represent who he is. You represent the family of Jesus. Look what it says here in Romans 8, 17. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. This world system's messed up. 
And we make all kinds of debate about things like global warming and, and uh, ecological issues, and, and we see all kinds of weird stuff going on on this planet. And the Bible clearly teaches us that the, the planet got messed up when those that he put in charge of it rebelled against their position of being the children of God. And when man fell and refused to be those that revealed those who were obedient children of God, he said the whole system got subjected to futility and things die and things are broken and things are messed up. And God's saying, there's going to come a day when my kids realize who they really are. They're going to go back and they're going to stop living according to the knowledge of good and evil and they're going to live according to life, the life of sonship, the life of Jesus. And when they realize who they really are, not just dirty, rotten sinners who have a, a meager existence, but those who have been called by my name, who are holy and blameless, when they realize who they really are as sons and daughters of God, all of a sudden, the things that are broken and dying and futile will be released into the glory that I've designed it to. See, this whole world system is really waiting on us to step up and become the sons of God. We need to take our rightful place as those who don't rebel against God just to try to do our own thing, but, and not just you versus you versus you versus you, but what I said at the very beginning. When we finally figure out that we've got one father, we're all one family, we're all in this together. We're not in competition. We're in love, in love in Him. And as soon as we start cooperating with the Father's agenda, His will and His purposes, and we realize who we really are in Him, that's when things will start being fixed around here. That's when the glory and the purposes and everything that God has designed for our lives are going to be revealed in us. He says, right now there's suffering. Right? Any of you suffer? Yeah. Yeah. We all got stuff we suffer. But when we start moving away from our individualistic trying to struggle through and we begin to pray, our Father, brothers and sisters, it's all because of Jesus and it's all for His glory. And all of a sudden, our whole perspective begins to change. And I'm not struggling for my own survival anymore. Now, all of a sudden, I'm with the whole program. And I'm living in cooperation with our Father's agenda. And that's when things are going to get healed. That's when the glory of God, that's when the purposes of Christ are going to be revealed. And there is something that, that Paul, that the, he wrote here, says, listen, the stuff that you're going through right now, it doesn't compare. Now, we can, we can say, well, it just would be glorious when we die and go to heaven. Yeah, it will. But what about right now? What about right now? You guys still going to live like slaves? You can live like the children of God. Not like those who have been cleaned and cleansed and adopted and called and made a family into sonship so that I am the light of the world. That's what Jesus told me. I'm the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus told me. I'm the one who shows forth the praises of him who created me. I'm the one who shows forth his love and his mercy and his kindness and his wisdom and his truth and his peace. I've got something in me that is powerful. His Holy Spirit lives within me. I am the temple of the presence of God, but not just me and myself, but us together. And as soon as we start believing who we really are, God says, I'm going to reveal something glorious, and the world's going to see my children. And when that happens, 
all the suffering and all the futility and all the brokenness is going to start aligning into what God has purposed for us. God has something really, really wonderful that He wants to do in you and through you, but He doesn't want to do it just in you and through you. He wants to do it through us, okay? And it comes to when we stop saying, oh, Lord, if you just fix my problems into our Father. Work in all of our lives. Work in unity in all of us. Work in harmony in all of us. Work in your power and your peace, your restoration, your reconciliation, your glorious purpose in all of our lives. And since we start stepping into that, we're going to, st- we're going to see changes. You're going to see changes individually, but we're going to see changes corporately, and God's glory is going to be revealed. Are you ready for that? Would you like to step into that? Yeah. Well, I, I'm ready. I'm, you know, I'm tired of the futility of the, of the way that this world runs. I, I'm ready for the sons of God to be revealed, and, but I can't do it by myself. We've got to do it together. So let's, let's invite our Father to do that in our lives. Would you join me tonight? Take the hand of the person next to you. Hook up with a brother and sister, and let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, your name is holy. Your name is glorious. You're all-powerful, all-knowing. You're perfect in all of your ways. And for too long, Lord, we've lived less. We've lived underneath. We've lived as slaves, fearful, unattached, alone, not recognizing what you have done for us and who we are in Jesus and who we are in relationship to you. So tonight I pray for each brother, each sister, that there would begin to be revealed in them who they are in you, that they would begin to understand that they are a son of God, a family of God, adopted into the family with legal status as a citizen of heaven who reveals his glory, his purposes, his word, your life in everything we do, in everything we go, every life that we touch. So, Lord, may we no longer just pray, Lord, meet my needs individually, but, Lord, may you have your will be done, not just in me, but in all of us, that we together would reveal what you purposed us to be, the sons and daughters, the children, the brothers of Christ, those that have your life within us, those that have your authority within us, those that have your provision within us, those that have your glory to be revealed through our lives. I ask you just, you just begin to spark it alive within us. And as we begin to see how awesome you are, that we cry out with your Holy Spirit within us, Abba, Daddy, thank you, Father. May you be seen, experienced, revealed through us as our prayer tonight in the name of the one who gave his life for us, the name of our brother, our master, our Lord Jesus. Amen.